Ready? You want to count me in, Neil? Three, two, one. This is the Run Matters Podcast, brought to you by Skechers Performance. Go like never before. And now, your hosts, Mark Sullivan and Neil Schwartz. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Run Matters Podcast, presented by Skechers Performance. I'm Mark, and I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Neil Schwartz. Hey, Neil. Hey, Mark. We've got a great show today. We're going to start off with our Run to the Finish segment with Amanda Brooks, and we're going to talk a little bit about motivation, which is something that we all need during this pandemic period. We're then going to flip over to our Retail Matters segment with Justin Craig, from Run Detroit. Yeah, Justin is a great young guy, runs an exciting business, and uh, he's got a lot of really good things to say about uh, running and uh, about life in general, I think. And for the first time, we're joined by Edward Cheserak, who is really one of the bright young stars in the running universe. And Mark, I think our listeners are going to be really excited to listen to the backstory um, with Ed Cheserak. But after Chez, we're going to talk to Kurt or as I like to call him, the guy behind the guy behind the guy. Kurt Stockbridge, of course, is the lead product developer at Skechers Performance. And he complained to me after our first episode, Mark, that he wanted his own theme music. And here at the Run Matters podcast, we aim to please. Let's get the show on the road with Amanda Brooks. On your mark, get set, go! Let's run to the finish with Amanda Brooks. Welcome back to the Run Matters podcast, Amanda Brooks. Amanda is, uh, for those of you who don't know, is an author, a social media maven, a runner, and a running coach, and a graduate of the second best journalism school in the country. So, Amanda, great to have you. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) So, Amanda, we have a topic to talk to you about today that is something that has uh, been a... uh, a concern for runners probably since day one and years and years from now, I think it will still be a concern for runners and that's motivation. How do you stay motivated? How do you get motivated? Uh, how do you, how do you get up and do it on those days when you don't necessarily feel like doing it? This is certainly a question I receive a lot. And I think as someone who has been running since 2002 consistently, whether I have a race or not, It fascinates me that people rely so heavily on motivation. I tend to say I prefer to rely on habits. So I know that I run or I work out at a certain time every day. And so even on the days where I wake up and I don't feel like it, I'm so primed to just do that action that at least I'll start. And then if it's not going well, I mean, I stop and that's fine. But it gets me started where a lot of people won't even get that first step. So I think if you can find a way to get consistent with your schedule, that helps you not even need to rely on motivation as much. What are some of the tips that you can give to a first-time runner about getting motivated, Amanda? Yeah, I think one is sort of figuring out why do you want to do this? There's a ton of ways that we can get fit, right? But there is something about running that is sort of speaking to us or calling to us. We want to do it. And I think If we can figure out what that is, a lot of times we're more driven to stick with it. For me, it was so hard and so painful, but I was so proud of myself every single time I showed up. And I think recognizing that helped me keep showing up day after day. And for a lot of beginners, it's that same feeling. They just can't always pinpoint it. You know, for experienced runners, Amanda, I know they talk about preparing for a race and you know, one of the things a lot of runners prepare for, of course, 
you know, as we get closer to Thanksgiving are these turkey trots and their fun runs and things like that with no races happening. How do runners motivate themselves? What are some of the things that you can do in order to keep your eye on the prize? The first is, you know, you can try to do it virtually. And for some runners, that's still going to be a great motivation. For other people, I'm saying, what are some non-race specific goals we can think about? Can we be focused on, you know, can I run farther than I was able to last year? Do I just feel stronger? Maybe I work on my mile time or can I do more pull-ups? Can I actually do this strength training that I always swear I'm going to do? Um, so it's really, can you shift your goals? There's a ton of different ways to look at running. So it doesn't have to be race specific. Hey, you're listening to Amanda Brooks on the run matters podcast powered by Skechers performance it was interesting. What you said about habits too, because I was teasing you a little bit about your journalism school background, but I often feel writing is very much like that too. If you sit around and wait for the thunderbolt of inspiration, it may never happen. But if you sit yourself down in front of the computer and say, hey, every hour between every day between the hours of nine and one, I'm going to write it. it you end up writing and you end up doing some good work. Same with running. Absolutely. There's things we do every day that we don't even think about because they're just so ingrained in our day. And if you can kind of get to the point where you're just so used to showing up for yourself to sweat in some form then even on the days where you're kind of dragging or you just don't feel like it, you'll start. And a lot of times that's all, all it takes, right? You get out the door and, oh, the fresh air, and immediately you're more ready to run than you were 10 minutes ago under the covers. You said, I think, basically sort of, you know, putting on your shoes and getting out the door is half the battle. And I can't tell you how many times I start out and it's like, this is a terrible run. I feel awful. And then to me, one of the appealing things about running is you, you sort of find your run maybe halfway through or a third of the way through or at the very end. It's, it's a 10-mile run and around mile eight, something happens and it kicks in and, and you want to just keep going. Amanda, let, let's play out this scenario for a minute. So you wake up one morning. What time do you normally wake up? I'm like a 5 a.m. So you wake up at 5 a.m. What's the first thing? Uh, are you a coffee person? What's your kind of routine? Really and truly, my routine is I get up, I'm downstairs, I start drinking some water, and then very shortly after, I'm starting my warm-up. Okay, so Amanda Brooks wakes up, she gets up, she starts her routine, and somewhere along the way, all of a sudden, you lose your mojo, you lose your motivation, you lose you know, whatever it takes to get you out on that first step of the day. What do you do? I play the five minute game. So if all of a sudden I'm just not feeling it, I'll tell myself like, we're just going to give this five minutes and all you have to do is walk. You don't have to do anything else. If after the end of five minutes walking, you feel awful, you can come home and get back in bed. And there have been days for sure. After five minutes, I come home and I'm done. And to me, that's a sign I needed a rest day, but there are most days where after five minutes, you're kind of like, all right, you know, like Mark said, this is starting to feel okay. I'll just do another five minutes. And I think that goal works whatever level you're at. You just keep giving yourself those little itty bitty carrots to chase. It's funny. You also talk about, you know, that first step or that motivation, but um, you know, do you set goals for yourself? Do, should people set goals for themselves or should they allow kind of the run to define their goal? So, you know, maybe one day I run a mile, next day I run a mile and a quarter. I mean, do you want to be goal oriented all the time or do you want to just kind of let things uh, kind of flow a little bit? 
It depends a lot on people's personality. So I would say the majority of runners tend to really thrive on goals. I'm someone who's very intrinsically motivated. And so people like me, we care a little less about races because I just want to see how each run is going to make me feel or maybe what I can do. Um, But certainly having something that gives you a reason to keep showing up is helpful. Amanda, before we go, how about giving your uh, blog address and also your uh, social handles? Absolutely. It's runtothefinish.com. And then I am run to the finish on every social channel. I can tell you I have been on Amanda's social media and there are some very funny and fun uh, posts on there. I highly suggest you go there. And so, Amanda, thanks for again for coming on the uh, Run Matters podcast today. Absolutely. Hey, you'll be able to catch more of Amanda on all future episodes of the Run Matters podcast. And if you want to get more of Amanda, go to the Run to the Finish blog or on all social media platforms. Big Marky, who do we have next? Great retail guest, Justin Craig from Run Detroit in Michigan. Let's talk shop. Run Matters, Retail Matters. Welcome to the Run Matters podcast, Justin Craig from Run Detroit. Uh, Justin, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So your store has been in business for seven years, and in those seven years, you have seen quite a bit of change, quite a bit of challenge. Uh, Fill us in on what's going on uh, within the past few months. Within the past few months, wow, (laughs) there's a lot to pack in. (laughs) Um, We are starting to return to some degree of normalcy. A few months ago, it was like flipping a light switch. We went from our doors open to essentially a hard close without anybody coming into the shop. We've slowly started to resume uh, some in-store interactions. Like with a lot of the shops, we started doing some virtual fits. Then we started doing some appointment-based in-store. We're continuing to take this rather cautious and and kind of uh, a wait-and-see approach. So we're still operating under appointments, get first priority, but we are allowing some walk-ins. This week, we actually started leaving the door unlocked, but for the last three months, the door has been locked uh, just to keep window shoppers out. Justin, one of the things we've been seeing is that the number of runners uh, has increased during the pandemic as it has proven to be a great exercise that's uh, you're able to do social distancing. And also, we've seen an increase in the number of people walking you know, as you open the stores back up, are you seeing mostly your regular customers or are you starting to see some new customers come in also? We're seeing a lot of new customers. Uh, in my neighborhood, there is like the 1970s jogging boom going on. There's people I have never seen out walking or running that are out here on a regular basis. And this is just, it, it's completely abnormal. <laughs> What what do you what you know what are the people like are they younger are they older are they I mean is it a you know male female what's tell me a little bit about what you're seeing uh, it's just everybody we have you know we might see some twenty year old uh, guy out here jogging and we're seeing you know uh, a fifty year old female she's out jogging same thing with the walkers uh, and we're starting to see more families out walking where everybody just loads up they might even be pushing the stroller. Um, and it's, it's nice from a retail standpoint, but also I think it's actually helping to build communities too. So how has that translated to your business? Are these people, you said you're seeing more people out there, more new customers to the store. What type of products are they buying? We're seeing a lot of people come in that are first time customers that are coming in for just a good pair of athletic shoes. 
some are looking for a running shoe, some are looking for a walking shoe, but a lot of folks are are very new to uh, basically walking or running as a form of exercise. And they're just coming in for something that's going to be comfortable and versatile. So I think one of the uh, criticisms of run specialty over the years has been, uh, you know, it's too technical, it's too intimidating. So how do you make your store more friendly and more accessible for these uh, these newbies coming in? The So I didn't grow up in the running world. And for me, I've always found that it's too technical and too nerdy. And so we just read the customer. If you come in and you don't care about drops and offsets and you know carbon plates, we're not going to talk to you about those. We're going to keep it super basic. For me personally, uh, and we're also in you know Motor City here, I talk about cars a lot. So I'm going to tell people that here, this is your four-door sedan. Um, but if you want a two-door sports car, let me talk to you about this. And that actually um, helps a lot of people just reference like what we're talking about. And every now and then, you know, an SUV leaves the door. You know, it's good to hear though, that customers are coming back to specialty retail. You know, in a couple of minutes, I want to talk a little bit about the shop small movement that we're seeing, uh, being supported by American express and visa. But before, before I get to that though, what do you think the kind of the new frontier or the new normal looks like for the running specialty uh, retailer? Is it going to be more about more inclusion, less kind of that technical aspects, or is there going to be something for everyone? I think there's going to be something for everyone. You know, if somebody comes in and they want tech and we've got a lot of tech product coming out, I mean, uh, with, you know, some of the stuff that Skechers is putting out with their new shoes, tech is here. And that is that's driving a lot of people in our doors. Um, and I think the goal is is just going to have something for everybody and be able to talk to everybody the way they want to be spoken to, uh, whether that's you know down to earth and low key or total nerd out. So uh, Justin, love all the car lingo. We interviewed Kirk Stockbridge recently, and he talked about Goodyear outsoles. So I, I feel like uh, there's a real a real car theme emerging on our uh, Run Matters podcast the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, I think we all like going fast. So fast cars, fast shoes, it's good good mix. Yeah. So speaking of going fast, talk about your running career a little bit. I, I learned throughout my early days that I'm actually um, I'm better at longer distances. And living in Seattle, the 50K mountain race was essentially like the equivalent of a 5K pretty much everywhere else. There's a 50K every weekend. And that was really my specialty was 50K, uh, give me as many hills as possible and ended up finding out that I was, I was fairly competitive, won a few, you know, smaller races, um, placed fairly well in some bigger races that drew some, uh, pretty big names. It's probably the thing I miss the absolute most about being in the Northwest is access to, uh, hills and the mountains. Detroit is, is very flat. I do most of my hill training in parking garages here <laughs> and, uh, uh, it's very humbling anytime I go home where there might be, uh, hills it's definitely a use it or lose it type situation. Justin, I was on your website and I noticed that it looks to me like you're really involved in the community where your store is located. And talk a little bit about, you know, the community involvement. I know you do a lot of community fun runs and things like that. We've always been the shop that didn't want to be, we didn't want to be elitist. And so our Saturday group run is, has been from day one. Uh, I've always said, rain, snow, sh thunderstorms, whatever, it's going to happen. The only thing that's proven to be able to shut us down was a global pandemic. That's uh, a big community builder there because 
the people that are showing up are the same runners that come into our stores. They're, they're all paces and all levels and all experience levels. And uh, we really focus on creating one cohesive feel. So we don't separate by pace. We don't separate by distance. So there's no fast people go this way and you know short three milers go this way. Uh, it is one group that has a lot of overlap. And that's really helped to cement our, our expectations of how runners are going to get treated in the community. Let's talk a little bit about your store specifically. I, uh, as you know, earlier, I mentioned the shop small movement, and we've been seeing a lot of these commercials on television uh, backed by American Express and Visa about shopping small. But one of the things about shopping small is that a lot of specialty retailers have been a little slow on, let's say, the omni-channel uptake or you know, offering things like curbside pickup. But I notice you have offered those things. You are doing appointments. You are doing a number of things that really, I think, help keep the consumer or customer feel very safe. Is that really your motivation kind of as part of your um, point of differentiation? Yeah. I mean, keeping customers safe, maybe secondarily only to keeping my staff safe. Got it. Uh, and I will say that we were very hesitant about having a an online uh, business. And we've had, we switched over to Lightspeed about two years ago. We've had an e-com site that basically sold our Run Detroit gear, and that was pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Thankful that we at least had the infrastructure because we spent the first 10 days of the looming shutdown just focusing, getting every product online, even down to single gels. And that is what was our saving grace while we were completely shut down for the month of April, we maintained 81% of our historic sales because of that online uh, ability. Now that we are doing in-store uh, business as well as online, what we're seeing is a lot of the in-store business is the new customer. And now the customers that used to buy in from us uh, in-store get fit, and then they make all their subsequent purchases at some other.com are now actually purchasing from us. Wow. And it's been my sort of personal game to try to beat Amazon or try to beat the vendors at their own game by offering, for the most part, same day delivery um, and, and excelling or trying to capitalize as much as we can on our ability to shop small and deliver local. So talk to us about the delivery. How does that work i mean are you guys all like zooming around and run detroit cars uh how do you how do you get the product uh, to the customer so quickly when the shutdown initially happened um it was my partner business partner myself and one staff member that were covering the shop i live in the city i would handle basically all the deliveries north uh, katie one of our employees would handle the deliveries south and it was we leave at three o'clock that day and just hit as many as we can. And most days it was taking me about three hours uh, to do the deliveries. It's actually supplied us with a lot of data that I didn't have before. I didn't really know where our customers lived. And now I definitely know that there's some concentrations in some areas that we did not expect. It sounds like, Justin, you've been able to really take advantage of the situation really in a number of different ways, whether it's been on purpose or by accident. It sounds like there's a number of things that have come out of this that I would consider a positive. And God knows it's been a negative situation pretty much for most of us, but it sounds like you've been able to turn a lot of that around. Yeah, I think we've done a good job of turning it around. And I also think that people are, are using this opportunity to vote with their dollars. 
you know, if they want a business to succeed, they're going to spend some money. And so we're seeing people that are actively making the call to shop at their local run shop or order from the neighborhood place versus order from, you know, a big chain restaurant or ordering from Zappos or some of the big box stores. They, um, they know, you know, that we are, we are community members and that's, that's very helpful. Hey, we're talking with Justin Craig, uh, owner of the Run Detroit Run Specialty Store. Justin, I want to thank you for coming on the Run Matters podcast presented by Skechers today. We uh, really appreciate you giving us the time. Hey, I'm happy to be here and happy to be a listener. Next time you're in the Motor City, by all means, stop by and check out Justin's store, Run Detroit. Hey, Neil, what's next? Mark, our next guest is one of the bright young stars in the running world, and he's also a member of the Skechers Elite running team. Let's get to the Chez Lounge with Ed Chezarek. It's time to relax with Ed Chezarek. Welcome to the Chez Lounge. Welcome to the Run Matters podcast, Mr. Edward Chezarek. Uh, Chez, the king, you are a man of many names. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. So uh, for our, some of our listeners who may not know, Edward is really one of the bright uh, young lights in American running, and he's got a great backstory, and we'd really like to start out today talking to him a little bit about that. So Edward, you came to this country when you were 14 years old. You want to tell us what that was like? Yes, um, it's actually true. So I came here when I was 14 years old. It was, it was, it was tough for me, but uh, so when I arrived here, it was actually, you know, a little bit easier because I had a couple of people from home being around me. But when I'm around, the school was tough a little bit because I was mixing myself with, you know, people that I don't even know, you know, doing other things that I don't even, you know, understand. Like, what's, what's this? So you came from Kenya uh, as part of a special Catholic school program? Yes. So how did that all really come about? One of the priests that uh, used to work in my church back in Kenya, at the same time, it was like a priest for my high school. And they have a uh, good relationship with St. Benedict's Prep because it's uh, like a Catholic school. And uh, they were looking kids like who like spent it with uh, special talent kids like myself. I used to be a soccer player at the same time. I was a good student by there. And um, so I, I was selected and I was, you know, I was at an opportunity to, to come to U.S. The first time somebody suggested to you, you know, about trying running or becoming a runner, I mean, what was your kind of first reaction to that? I hated it because I didn't like it at all. Because it was like when I tried to run, my chest was pounding and I was like, I don't need this. You know, I, I, I was stopping a couple of times and, I, you know, I hated it so bad. So your first time, let's just say, wasn't necessarily a good experience in running. No, it was bad, actually, yes. We also want to get back a little bit to the experience um, with St. Benedict's. And then, of course, you went to college at the uh, University of Oregon. Yes. How did that all happen? My first race at St. Benedict's was, uh, it was a mile. And uh, I ran. It was 4.45. And then after that, I kind of like walked myself down until like, you know, 4.15, 4.20s. And um, I kind of like figured out like, I think I can do that in running. So that guy just talked to me and I was like, yeah. It keep motivating me a lot that I was like, yeah, I, I will do it. And I ended up doing okay until I went to Oregon. And that was the time I started like, you know, being a really good runner. What was, what was the, uh, when did the sort of switch click on for you? Was it at Oregon? Was it a matter of uh, the competition you faced there, the coaching? What really got you from 415 to the point where you now have one of the uh, 
fastest indoor miles ever for by an American. It was actually St. Benedict's when I started like focusing on running, doing relays, you know, 400s, all the way from 400 to 10,000. And um, that's the time that I noticed like I can run longer distance. Because I thought I was a 10K and 5K guy. And, uh, and we started focusing my sophomore year and junior year and senior at St. Benedict's. That's where we like focus on running. And my coach was like, I think you can get a scholarship if you keep running. Instead of playing soccer, you're not gonna get any uh, scholarship any other schools. If you if you if you play soccer, just focus on running. And I started focusing on it, and uh, I become okay run. I came close to breaking four minutes in my junior year wow. of high school. About that, yeah. So I ran four or one couple times, but it was so hard for me to break four minutes. And uh, after that, I tried to run a five k. My first five k was fifteen minutes. So we have to ask you two questions about your experiences at uh, University of Oregon. Is that where you picked up the nickname King Chess? King Chess actually uh, is my middle name. My middle name is King, and Chess is like a short name for my father's name, my last name. So which is put it like put it together, King Chess. So my middle name is King, and then Chess is for my uh, last name. And while you were at Oregon, as fast as you were. Did they ever come to you and ask you to play another sport? Did they ask you to lace up football pads and go out there and play American football? I tried a couple of times because I was a tiny boy and uh, one of my first friends actually, and uh, it was my classmate by then, David Allen. And uh, all the time I was like, let's go to the field, just play some football. And we just play for fun. And uh, it was good actually. He used to play football for a while. And then he quit the football now focusing on running. I brought up an interesting point. Over the years, um, a number of colleges have tried to convert track stars into football players. Uh, you know, I can look back on Bob Hayes, um, who played for the Dallas. Great example. And, and they tried to make him, and, and in fact, he was a great wide receiver. I remember at the University of Florida, which is also a school that's known for great track and field. Uh, they had a number of, uh, I, I guess actually they had held a record for the four by 100. Yes. You know, it's interesting. They, uh, so they did approach you to maybe give football a try. Yeah, but, but I was like, you know, I'm a tiny guy, so I don't want to get knocked out real quick because <laughs> I can run, but if I get close to these big people, man, they are just going to, like, you know, knock me down real quick. There are some big people in football. Oh, yeah. So you say you're tiny. You're, what, 5'6", five, 5'7"? Five, six, five, seven? Five, seven and only 120-something pounds, you know. <laughs> that, that is, uh, that's a great size for a runner, but uh, that's a small size for a football player. Football, exactly. <laughs> Well, football's loss was certainly running's gain with Ed Cheserak. Yeah, I think it's best if Ches stays uh, in his lane on this one, Mark. Good for Ches and good for us. I have to warn our listeners before this next segment, Neil and Kurt Stockbridge from Skechers, they take geek running shoe conversations to an entire new level. So everybody listening at home, put in your pocket protector, strap on your goggles, because here we go. That's rough. Uh, but I have to say that Kirk complained to me after the last episode that he wanted to get his own theme music. So without any delay, here's Kurt Stockbridge. Hey, let's talk to Kurt Stockbridge, VP of Product Development at Skechers Performance. He's the guy. Behind the guy. Behind the behind guy. The guy. The guy. We're here, of course, with Kurt Stockbridge, the guy behind the guy behind the guy for Skechers Performance and Skechers Performance Running. Kurt, how are you? I'm great, Neil. How are you? Doing good today. One of the things I want to talk a little bit about is the, the new products and the new types of materials that are being used 
in running shoe construction. I mean, I know there's, you know, the outsoles uh, from Goodyear, and then there's a number of other new materials that are being integrated. I know the, there's been a lot of discussion about the carbon plate um, mm-hmm. underneath or on top of the midsole. Tell us a little bit about materials and then how you go about the selection process for a particular shoe. Uh, sure. Um, first of all, the selection selection process is pretty easy. It's uh, it's it revolves a hundred percent around what runners value. So, anything that we can make to give them an edge or um, enjoy the run more, then we're going to pursue that angle. Uh, most of the excitement right now in the business, I would say, is at, in the bottom of the shoe. Like you mentioned, carbon fiber plates, um, midsole foams. Uh, we've We've had a huge advancement in midsole foams for us, and I feel like we're leading that area with hyperburst. It's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. What makes it amazing? We're saving about an ounce per pair now that we've got this hyperburst foam. So I'm fascinated by the use of the Goodyear rubber. When I think of Goodyear rubber, I think of tires, I think of traction. Hey, my tires keep me on the road, or at least that's the idea. How does the Goodyear rubber and technology translate to running shoes when you want responsiveness, you want cushioning, stability, all those other things you look for in your shoes? Yeah, you know, that one came from, we thought we had some pretty good rubber and we're always looking for opportunities to improve. We had a couple of wear testers say, you know, your rubber's good, but honestly, there's better rubbers out there on slick, wet surfaces. And we found out Goodyear had a presence in China near one of our factories we started speaking with them and they introduced us to a technology that they've got. It's a polymer that's soybean based. Wow. And we started playing with this with them. They said, hey, this is what we use in our weather ready tire. We think we can take this component and put it in footwear and help you. And we did that and it worked great. With these world-class athletes, it's really a matter of degrees when it comes to designing their shoes. I, I always say that a guy like Cesarek, he could run a four-minute mile wearing boxes on his feet instead of shoes. Uh, what is it that you really do with him that makes the difference between, say, a 346 mile and a 351, which for him is the difference between first place and fifth place? It's true. And with Cesarek specifically, because he's running so much faster than a guy like Meb, it's all about weight. I mean, that's the thing. He pushes on me so hard. I'll give him the shoe. I've made it as light as I can. And he finds a way to make it even lighter. And through our discussions and interaction, I love that because he challenges me, challenges our team. Can you make it lighter? Can you make it lighter? To a point where I'll say, Chess, if I make it any lighter, the shoe's going to fall apart. <laughs> and he says, okay, good. I want it right there. Um, but that's that's how we do it. And you know what that is, Mark? It's It's so much about confidence. If he feels like that, like he really doesn't have a shoe on his feet, he can focus on other things. And he just feels more confident that there's nothing weighing him down. Mark and I had a conversation with uh, Edward Cheserak, and in fact, he referred to you as his boy. Now, wh- what's going on here with the bromance between Kurt Stockbridge and uh, Ed Cheserak? Obviously, you've, you've really made an impression on him when it comes to putting his sneakers together, his shoes together. Oh, and likewise. Well, it's a team, you know, it's, it's about trust and mutual respect. He trusts me. I trust him. And it's a team. I can't do what I do without his input. He certainly can't do what he does without the shoe that's going to perform best for him. And so we just, we have mutual respect. That's the message really that we got yesterday. I know we kind of uh, just made a little bit of a joke about it, but that, that is really what Chez said. He, He said that, you know, Kurt is able to, to take 
what I need and what I want and transfer it into reality. And he says, and that's really all I can ask for um, from a brand and also from a shoe developer. Yeah. It's a lot better than other brands. There's other brands uh, that might just say, here's your shoe. This is what you're assigned to. You need to train or, or race in this. What we do is we've custom customized all of Chez's shoes from, from the ground up based on his last, his performance needs. And um, we, I'm, hopefully we've made him happy. I think he is. Kurt, on the previous show, you talked a little bit about Skechers' performance philosophy. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about their philosophy and talk a little bit also about your philosophy when it comes to building shoes. My philosophy and our philosophy are really the same. It's about um, authenticity. It's about doing everything we can to help runners win or train or whatever they want to do. So it, it's it's that really, it's that simple. And we, we have a mantra. We say it all the time. It's uh, we're about listening to the athlete. Listen to the athlete. Uh, we didn't always do that. You know, at the beginning, it's really easy when you don't have a relationship with runners, you start to put your own spin or brand on things like this is what I think runners need. And that's the wrong approach. That's not the approach we take at all. We do just the opposite. In addition to listening to Meb and Chez, you have to listen to everyday runners. You guys have a test panel of runners, and then you have to process the feedback you get from all those folks. What's that like? That's right, Mark. It's actually a lot harder because now you get differing opinions. Um, It's nice when you have people like Chez and Meb in your corner because that gives you a good head start. But once you get it out there to the masses, you're now you're now you're scaling it to say twelve to twenty four testers. We have a, we have hundreds in our in our database, and they are like think of them as professional testers. They know running shoes very well, so they can really give great feedback. But invariably, there's there's difference in feedback. There's some that don't like this, or some will like this a little bit better, and we want those differing opinions. But it makes it hard for for us as a team because sometimes you have to decide okay what's important, what's not. What do we, what do we fix? What do we don't? Is that an issue? Is it not? But at the end of the day, um, it's something we have a promise that all of us on the team, we will never put something out in the market that we don't have hundred percent confidence in that runners are going to embrace as a piece of equipment. That's going to help them achieve their goals. I want to go back to the geometry aspect. So when I look at shoes, to me, they look like little race cars. Where do you get your inspiration for your shoe design? Is it is it cars? Is it industrial design? What? Where do you really get that motivation from? It really comes from everywhere, but the faster the better. So cars, motorcycle. Um, we were really inspired. Some of us, we went to a flight museum, and you, when you look at when you look at fighter jets up close, they're an incredible piece of equipment. And again, there's nothing on that fighter jet that's about style. It's 100% performance. And you see the, the stuff that's written on it, like no step, bombs here, whatever. And there's gray smoke trails and things. It's, that's inspiring. We, we got inspired when we, we saw things like that. We've actually brought that into some of our footwear, including the Razor 3. Let's see here. The Razor 3 and a jet fighter aircraft. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get to sleep tonight with that vision in my brain. Hey, Kurt, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. That wraps up episode two of the Run Matters podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with episode three featuring Colin Petty of Marathon Sports in Boston and the great Meb. Well, Big Marky, show number two is in the books. Looking forward to episode number three. Don't forget, you can catch the Run Matters podcast on all major podcast platforms or just head over to runmatters.com. 
Thanks for listening to the Run Matters Podcast, brought to you by Skechers Performance. Go like never before.